This is the Weekly Scramble, a place where we chat about life over a cold one. Or two. Sometimes two. It's time to belly up to the pod with Mike Fratelloni and your host, Chris Reavers. That's right, it is the Weekly Scramble. My name is Chris Reavers. You can hear me on the Garage Logic Podcast daily here on the Garage Logic Podcast Network alongside of Mike Fratelloni with Fratelloni's Ace Harbor and Garden Stores. Hello, Michael. How you doing, Reavers? We've been together on this show in one form or another for a few years now, and we kind of rebranded a, f- a few months back to kind of tie in with the Garage Logic theme of uh, having a cold one, belly up to the pod, and just kind of talk about the things. That guys talk about when they're having a cold one. You know, it's funny. The show is called The Weekly Scramble. And on last show, I was talking about Kirk Cousins not being able to get out of the pocket. And he has Yet, a 29-yard run on Sunday. Yes, he did. <laughs> you motivated I, him. I just didn't get the word scramble out of the pocket out. And I was ah. like, huh, how did my brain not come to the word of the name of our show when I was talking about Kirk Cousins? It was a good performance, right? By uh, yeah, I, I thought it was his best performance as the quarterback of this team, unfortunately. They still found a way to lose the yeah, game. Yeah, that's so. too bad. That's too bad. Now, we're not talking sports, but I just wanted to bring no, that up. No, that's all right. Sports comes up from time to time. I like, us to, to, time I like us to be correct. And I, I remember just struggling for the word of getting out of the pocket. I was like, I wonder if there's an actual <laughs> word for that. Yeah, it's called scramble, you moron. All right. That was me. So the first story that I wanted to get to today, um, this was uh, sent in by our buddy Jordy. He's been a longtime contributor to the Garage Logic Love podcast. Him. And when I saw this story, I told Joe Souchere, you're not touching this one. This one's going to be safe for me and Mike to discuss in the weekly scramble. So this came out, I think this was either Sunday or Monday. Sunday. Okay, here we go. Uh, Sam Adams. We're all familiar with the company Sam Adams, the We've Boston Beer on, Company. Had him, had him on the air, right? Jim Cook has been a guest on this show years ago. So they have uh, released a limited edition Utopius beer. Oh. All right. Utopius. Okay. It's so strong. How strong is it? How, how strong is it? It's banned in 15 states. Really? How <laughs> the, strong could this be? The beer is not only strong, but it's also an investment, too. The suggested retail price is around $240. Okay. Samuel Adams is taking the term and getting buzzed to another level. The beer brand's 2021 Utopius beer, available beginning October 11th. <laughs> Has a 28% alcohol content. So I'm wondering, hear me out on this, right? So people go out and spend 500 bucks on a great bottle of scotch, right? Yep. If this Utopius, once you open it, do you have to finish it? Or is it such a high alcohol oh. content that it could sit around on your shelf for a while? It's probably not. Well, let's right? let's read on and find okay. out. Um, so interested. The press release describes it as a as tasting slightly sweet with a touch of tart. Utopias are barrel-aged and finished on 2,000 pounds of cherries, mm. including Michigan Balaton cherries. Does that sound right? Sure. It is also has uh, notes of honeyed apricot and caramel. You know what? I think I've had this no as way. I'm reading this. How? I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Sam Adams Utopias come out every two years, and they explain that this 12th edition is a blend of multiple batches of beers. Some of the beer has even aged in wooden bourbon casks. For almost 30 years, uh, according to Jim Cook, 
Quote, we pioneered the barrel aging and blending process of Utopias almost 30 years ago and continue that time-honored tradition today, uh, said Jim Cook, the founder of Sam Adams. Since the introduction of Utopias in 2002, brewers have explored uncharted territory with each brew, experimenting with different kinds of aging barrels, new flavors, and different blending techniques. The result is always special, spirited, and worth waiting for. Um, here's why I think I almost had it, or why I'm almost convinced mm-hmm. I had it. Our good buddy Ryan and yep. his partner Tom, owners of uh, Elevated, Elevated Beer, Wine, and Spirits, and Spirits huh? who used to be proud supporters of this show and, and still might be down the road. Sure. Ryan got married and had a really cool selection, okay, uh, almost like an ice trough sure. of all of these different kinds of specialty oh, beers. Oh, very cool. And so in addition to having you know a couple of different beers on tap for for, pay, for people that were at the sure. wedding, it basically was his brother would go, let's open up this one. Yeah, you want to try this one? That's a great idea, and actually. It was, it was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost positive that we had this. In fact, what I should do is I should text him. When we take a little break and see. and see if this was one that we had, because I'm almost because when the description of the the caramel notes, touch of tart, I'm almost positive I had this. Well, and what we know about elevated beer, wine, and spirits is that those guys have like the vault that they keep, you know, beers back. Oh, they yeah. have their vault sale, right? Yep. These these one offs that are just so cool. You know what Jim Cook is? Jim Cook is the Subway of beers. Can I explain that to you, please? So you know how Subway does. Eat fresh and healthy, and then also jam a footlongs. You know, it's a, it's the dichotomy, <laughs> gullet, right? right? They do the it's healthy, and oh by the way, if you want to eat four thousand calories worth of a footlong, go for it. Jim Cook is I'm super crafty, yet Sam Adams Boston Lager sells eighty billion bottles of it, eighty billion cans. So he's both craft and macro. Sure. Like Subway is health food, and I'm uh, you know stoned, so I need to have a footlong. Well, wouldn't Sam Adams. In fact, this was part uh, way back when we solely focused the show just on beer. Weren't they part of a really heavy debate as as to whether they counted as just a craft brewery? Yeah, because they were a little too well. They were way more than a little too much of craft beer, right? Because it's it's the amount of barrels you make. And let's just make this arbitrary number. I think in Minnesota it's fifty thousand, right? I'm making that number up, maybe five thousand. Sure. But they were doing. 5.4 million or whatever, and they're no longer craft when you're making 5.4 million. Those numbers, folks, you don't need to write in on that. I, I'm I'm saying with a caveat, I don't know what the numbers are. But there's He's some, giving himself the we don't know that yeah, before we, we he just, even have to hit truly, the button of the you know, we don't what, know that. What is it? Uh, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't Something right. Something ain't right. All right. those numbers are not right. Okay, so like I said, I'm almost positive that I've had this, but I did want to get to this part too um, because I know now that I have had it. Sure. Utopias is meant to be sipped so, okay. and savored and uh, and should be on momentous occasions. Sam Adams notes it's best served at room temperature with a glass that amplifies its aroma and flavor, such as a small cognac or snifter glass. Is it a 750 bottle? Is it is it a, like, a wine bottle looking? It uh, Well, it it's a little bit bigger than a 750. Like, like a bomber or something big? Yeah. Oh, oh, it's bigger than, yeah. bigger than a wine bottle. Okay. Not everyone, though, can go to their local pub or liquor store to purchase this beverage because the alcohol content is so high, it is illegal and not shipped to Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Carolina, Utah, Vermont, and West Virginia. But you can buy scotch in every one of those states. 
So why can't you get a beer at twenty eight percent? Why you, do why do they make arbitrary laws like no beer should have an alcohol content higher than fourteen percent? Who you're cares? Just, you're trying to make sense of the I current just, state of lawmakers in this country. Who cares what people want there? If you can go have a scotch at eighty proof. Why do you care if it's 20? Right. Yeah, that's so dumb. By the way, uh, even if it is available in a state that you reside, it may still be hard to find as they only make 13,000 bottles every year. Really? I'm almost 100% positive this is what we, we had. maybe we should invest in one of those. You know what we should do? What's that? We should, it was $240. We should get our top 24 listeners. Everybody throw in 10 bucks, and we can all have one sip of it. <laughs> we all get this much, yep, right? We yeah, all yeah. get a little tiny quarter-ounce shot Which, by the way, upon recollection of having that, that's all you can I'm drink. pretty sure that's all you need. Really? Oh, yeah. It, just, it, it knocks you. feel it. It knocks yeah. you. For, Is it 20, 28% or 28 proof? Uh, well, it's, so it's 56%, here's the label. right? Uh, Sam Adams is... The brand 56 20, proof, available beginning October 11th has a 28% alcohol yeah, content. Yeah, so 56 proof. So, I mean, that's getting pretty close to a scotch or, you know, yeah. it's, it's getting there. Because I do remember that night uh, after the wedding, mm-hmm. I had a bartending shift. Oh, no. In oh, which no. a lot. No, it was fu- I, I wanted to do it that okay. way because everyone was planning on going out Is anyway. Is that when you got the hotel in town, too? Yes. So you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. honey, so, I'm not going to make it home tonight. I'm well, no, no, no. In downtown. fact, she was with me. Okay. So we stayed downtown, which is where they got married, mm-hmm. and then, you know, checked into the hotel, and then I just, instead of going, she went to bed, and I just went to work, and the bunch of the people that were at the wedding came over to the nightclub. It was great. You know what? It was I, a really fun night. As an adult man, and when I hear someone's getting married, I can't, I could make you guess, but I get stressed out because I think, oh, how much are you going to spend on your wedding? Right? I, I, it just, it makes me seem like... Like an old, old man, because some relatives of mine just got engaged, beautiful couple, and they're going out, and they're going to be frugal on their wedding, yet the place that they're going to have the wedding, just the, to rent the place is like ten grand to just rent the room. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, before you even have a drink or a dance or a flower or a dress, you're in the you're, whole you're ten grand. ten grand in. And these guys are not, you know, they're not throwing around millions of dollars. They're, you know, working guys and you got money, but they can, it's still a very expensive wedding. And, I, and my practicality says... There's a courthouse. You go down there, and then you, you buy yourself a Rolex. I don't know. <laughs> a Rolex you give to your kids 30 years from now. True, but, you know, it is a momentous occasion. Is and it? Uh, well, Yes. Yes, uh, okay. Uh, maybe that's my problem. I'm not a big fan of weddings. Probably. <laughs> maybe yeah. that is. But I, I, get, I get what you're saying when it's because my, my brother and I had very differing views on what we wanted to, because he got sure. my younger brother got married before I did. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. and so he's the better looking brother, obviously, much better yes. looking. Um, but we had very different opinions on okay. you know because you know. But again, I he he still lives in my hometown, and I wasn't going to get married in my hometown, sure. so it was completely different. Well, I'm, I'm very excited for this. I, I want to make yeah. sure because they're they're going to listen to the show. I'm very excited for them. Their wedding is going to be an absolute blast. I just caution them. You know, don't buy extra flowers. Flowers last one day and then you throw them away. True. Right? Go with plastic. Well, let me tell you this little story. So I'm um, going to my wedding. I'm driving to my wedding. Okay. And I'm listening to a, I'm listening to NPR on the road. I live by the cathedral, right? (laughs) And I have, um, I live by the cathedral. I'm getting married at the cathedral. And this is my first and only wedding that I've had. And um, as I'm driving, they're doing these this talk about people who spend a certain amount on their wedding. They said, if you spend over $50,000 on your wedding... You have an 84% chance of getting divorced. Wow. I'm driving to my wedding that has 500 guests. So needless to say, I spent a lot on my wedding. You know, 500, first of all, 500 people, I know like 
29 people. Sure. I mean, I don't know 500 people. I mean, no 500 people. I am not friends with 500 people. I'm I'm friends with like two dudes and a couple of gals, and then my current wife has some friends. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't I I don't know 500 people. And I'm driving. I'm thinking, huh? Did I just gamble on an 84? <laughs> percent What am I thinking? And as and I also was carrying my six month old baby in her car seat in, and I was like, this whole thing I've done wrong. I've really screwed. It was a really great wedding. Really great wedding. Yes. Oh, did I mention I was divorced? You did. I did. Okay, because yeah, I didn't know if I wanted to make sure people understood. I well, you had a percentage to live up to. I, I had a percentage. I knew from that day. Like, wow. I would never bet on this. I would never, because I'm not a gambler, although I'm sure it could be legal to gamble on that now, because you notice like every commercial on every single show is about gambling? Yes. Yeah. Football has become almost unwatchable for a couple of reasons. I still love it. I watched a lot of the game last night, but between the amount of penalties that they're calling within the game, and not just for the team I'm rooting for, but the amount of penalties that they're calling within the game to the amount of incessant gambling ads that run, it's making it almost impossible to watch. And even the color commentators will start saying things like, I wonder what the spread is on this. They'll start working in the you know, the vocab of gambling. And, and they used to never do that, right? No. They used to never do that. And soon, I, it, it's, uh, I'm a big fan of the Golden Gophers and Mike Grimm, boy, that guy's smooth as can be. Yep. They play some ads in there. Yes, right? they do. And I can't wait till Grimm starts saying, and the kickoff went to the four-yard line. If you had four-yard line as your number, you just made one twenty for every dollar you gambled. I you shared know. this on Garage Logic, uh, or maybe it was Monday Night Sports Talk yesterday. Um, but I said because I, I I got to I got the chance to sit next to Mike to be his spotter during a Gopher Bowl game. Okay, a talk, couple of years ago. Talk, when you're done with the story, tell me what that means. Okay, I well, I, I can set it up really okay. quickly. So. Um, Basically, I was coming back. I, I was visiting my buddy out in Buffalo, and I, I drove. Sure. And so when I was coming back, I got a text from Grimmer saying, hey, are you still coming to the— Because I was planning on going to the Gopher game anyway. I okay. had the day off, and I was sure. driving through Detroit. Why not? Yeah. And he said, "Are because he had known that I was going to be going out there. And he says, are you still coming here? And I said, yeah. He goes, would you mind being my spotter? Because had a, we had a huge snowstorm here in the Twin Cities, okay. so a lot of people couldn't get— and there were no fans. So okay, at the game. Let, let me let me tell you what I think spotters are. Sure. There is a board with all the team players' numbers on it, and the quarterback throws a pass to somebody, and you put your finger on you Correct. think who. Okay, that yeah, is. Yeah. So I have but a pair of binoculars. Are you always right? I mean, how how can because Grim is right there. There is no time between. So the play. you got the binoculars, and Mike had a really great depth chart okay, a, for a both big, teams. Okay, big. It chart looks in like front a big desk calendar, okay, basically. Yep, yep. And he just said. If you make a mistake, don't worry about it. It's radio, not TV. Okay. So if I say it's player 75 instead of 78, sure. people listening aren't really going to know anyway. Aren't going to freak out. Okay. So it's, he says, that, so just don't don't worry about that. Although, because, you know, I, I want to be right. Well, sure. anyway, so yeah, that's basically what it is. And then I, I just point, and it's, oh, player 96 just had the tackle for the Gophers. Okay. Or for, I think they're playing Central Michigan. I can't remember. So that's stressful. So he's he doesn't want to use binoculars because he's focusing on so many things. And Well, that's what I was getting okay. to. So he had this stack of cards. As in, this first half sponsor is uh-huh. you know, Federated Insurance, whatever. Uh-huh. But he had a. I was so impressed. Uh, how smooth with he is. how smooth he yeah. was, and still able to to watch the game and keep the. And I guess it's probably like anything else. But I thought, man, he's good. I like <laughs> when they get down to you know that's a go for safety. That two dollars will be donated <laughs> on behalf of Washburn McGreevy Funeral Chapel. Right. I, it is. It is. I you know when you listen to the Gophers game. First of all, where was the Gophers game? I couldn't get it on TV anywhere. Pac-12 Network. I already had a tirade about it because when you are a team like that, yeah. 
that isn't the NFL, sure. you need to have your product available to as many what, people as what possible. What is the Pac-12 network? Well, it's just like the Big Ten network. So it's like BTN, but for the Pac-12. Well, I don't Correct. have the Pac-12 network. N- nobody did. Oh. Well, how are we supposed to watch the game? Exactly. That was a little weird. Because I, I searched and searched. I'm getting ready to try to but record it. Especially when it's going to be a day in the Twin Cities in the middle of September when it's 75 out. Well, I just said, well, I'm just going to go outside. Yeah, but I just listened to it on the radio. Yeah. And it was great. Yep. He's great. All right, let's step aside for a quick moment, and we're going to come back with our special guest. You're listening to the Weekly Scramble live on the Garage Logic Podcast Network. It is the Weekly Scramble. My name is Chris Reavers, alongside of Mike Fredoloni with Fredoloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Michael, uh, let's welcome our first guest today. Uh, we're going to be talking with Jen Canfield. She and her husband, Troy, are the owners of Pity Q Barbecue, and you guys were at a really cool event that Mike sponsored and I had the ability to MC uh, two Saturdays ago at Bent Brew Stillery. Jen, remind me, how did you guys finish uh, in the fan voting and everything else, and where did you guys rate with the various meats that Saturday at Bent Brew Stillery? Um, so on for People's Choice, we got seven. Okay. Um, for Beer Can Chicken, we got nine. And you misspoke last week a little bit because we got first and tried to. Dang it. Okay, oh, that's, you. that's <laughs> right. Now I do remember that. What a jerk I am giving out wrong information on this show. That's all right. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, Jen, I walked by your booth, right, your barbecue station, and I noticed uh-huh. your logo or your, your signage. Who came up with Pity Q? And I'm going to paint this for the, the listeners. It's two pit bulls. Chasing a pig, and the pit bulls have their tongues out, and the pig has a look of, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> Who came up with that? Uh, it was actually my husband. Um, it's, it's totally a play on words, because obviously there's barbecue pit. Um, and we have two pit bulls who are the two dogs chasing the pig. That one's been very um, nice. So we had one of our friends who happens to be a tattoo artist actually drew that up for us. Um, and yeah, that's how it came about. Just so you know, Jen, that would make an excellent tramp step. So if you want to do it, just right wow. lower back, right? Wow. Is, is that, are they still doing those? People still doing those? Rivers? I don't think so, Mike. I, I think that know. might be a bit outdated. Okay, but but you know what? I mean, I already got one, so I can't oh, really. Okay, good. <laughs> and the one thing you're going to learn about Mike, Jen, is he's always got ideas. I'm an ideas kind of yes. guy. And the execution's the part where we kind of lack yeah, I don't the show. do anything, right. but I have a lot of ideas. So in addition to that, though, one of the main reasons that we wanted to have you on the show is after the contest was over that Saturday, you and your husband were, were informing me about a GoFundMe account um, that you guys were involved with. And I said, please, please, please send me this information. Uh, I'd love to hear, uh, find out more about it and do whatever I could to help support the cause. So please tell the listener the GoFundMe page that you were mentioning to me just a couple of Saturdays ago. Yeah, sure. So um, someone who is very near and dear to the barbecue community in Minnesota, which is much, much larger than people probably expect it to be. Um, his name is Aaron, and he was involved in the um, big accident on September 9th when the semi crossed um, 169 mm-hmm. and had on collision. Mm-hmm. Um, so he also owns uh, Northern Fire Barbecue Supply. So that's where a lot of us know him from. They also own Lucky 19 Sauce Company. They're a pro barbecue team. So they've really had a huge impact in the barbecue community. Um, so as you can imagine, his road to recovery is going to be quite long. Yeah. Um, I mean, the amount of injuries is quite significant, and it's actually quite 
shocking that he survived. Luckily, there were three um, Good Samaritans that did pull him pull over and pull him out of the truck before it went into flames. So oh, no. thank God for that. Um, so he is currently in HCMC um, on day. I think today is day 15 of being in HCMC ICU. Um, and this GoFundMe was put together by another one of Aaron's friends, um, Peter and Ruth. I'm not going to attempt to say their last name because I don't want to butcher it. Um, but so this is just to help them with the crazy amount of medical costs they're going to have any and, and any other costs that they're going to accrue. Um, so we have that. There's also a carrying bridge site that you can follow along with it. Um, just to see how he's moving along because it's, it's going to be quite the journey. Um, I mean, and, and the best thing is, uh, for those who don't know Aaron, he has this really, really epic beard. <laughs> and they talk about it on the Caring Bridge site that it's even, um, they have a little hashtag save the beard. So all of the doctors and nurses are doing everything they can to not have to shave any of it. So that's kind of a fun little thing to follow along with. Um, at least seeing the glass half full in such an awful situation. So, so this is what we're doing now. I mean, we're probably going to try to figure out different ways to raise money for them. Um, it's just trying to figure that out in the middle of competition season does get a little bit tricky, but I'm sure that there's going to be more coming along. And I will provide um, the link to the GoFundMe page to all of the various social media accounts uh, attached to both the Weekly Scramble, but also to Garage Logic for people that like to find out more information, how they can donate, how they can help, and maybe just even help provide additional, uh, you know, spreading the word uh, on this horrible, horrible situation to what I can already tell as a guy that's really well liked within that community. And Jen, that's kind of where I wanted to transition to next because um this was the second time that mike and i were involved with this barbecue competition uh, up at bartley's place in at ben brustillery and one of the things that really stood out to me this time for sure was the camaraderie that exists within the barbecue community it's very similar at least from the outsider's perspective looking in to me it was very similar to the way that the, the the craft beer industry they kind Everybody of rally around one, one because you're watching other people sample other people's barbecue it, it was just it was cool to see and i have to imagine that, that it's almost a small family within the family is that accurate oh absolutely and with aaron and missy they are so such great great people um this is our third year competing um i mean it's definitely been a learning experience we did this on a whim and here we are this far along. Um, but we met Aaron and Missy when they took over Northern fire, which used to be called Qtopia. Um, and so we went in there because man, we were just struggling because what we thought was good barbecue is not good barbecues in the eye of competition. Hmm. So we went in there and Aaron and Missy totally just walked us through everything and gave us ideas kind of explain what they thought we were doing wrong, what we're doing right and that type of thing. And I think one of the the best memories that I have of going into Northern Fire and talking with them is we were talking about a rib recipe and Aaron's grabbing all this stuff on the shelf and showing it to me, my husband and Missy grabs them and she's like, so you're just going to give our whole rib recipe away? <laughs> so it's just, they're really great people and 
I mean, it, when you go to a competition with backyard teams, pro teams, even one that like at Bent Brasillery, which is a little bit more um, a mix of everybody that doesn't really section it out between like the backyard. So where me and my husband are at, which is more of like the amateur division mm-hmm. versus the pro team. Um, it's just like one big reunion all the time. Like yeah. I might've seen these people last weekend, but oh my God, I'm so excited to see so you So Jen, you so. said it was barbecue rib season, like competition season. How many of these are you going to yeah. do in a season? Um, so this year was a bit aggressive for us, but we're doing 14. 14. Um, so that's 14 weekends yeah. of work. Wow. Right. And sometimes, sometimes there's two in a weekend. Okay. So that's, that's a lot of work too. I think that's even more work. Um, so it starts in May for like in Minnesota. Sure. Um, and then it goes until like middle of October is kind of our last scheduled one. Um, I know that the pros start a little bit earlier. Um, I'm not 100% sure if they end earlier or not. I know Reavers was one of the judges, (laughs) but he was. Let's use that term loosely, please. And help me (laughs) remind me of this, and hopefully you know, Jen, because Reavers was the only non certified judge. All the other judges, like 24 of them or 23 of them, were, is it Kansas City certified? What's the designation you have to be to be a judge? Do you know? Um, so the ones that we see most often up here in Minnesota is the Kansas City Barbecue Society. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the parent society to the Minnesota Barbecue Society. You know, if um, a boy has a goal in life, you know what you want to do? Is you want to become certified by the Kansas City Barbecue Society. I think I shared this with you both, but I was really um, impressed with they were taking it very seriously. Well, you to the tried point to where... carry a beer in. Yeah, I did do that. And someone said, "No, no, oh, no, no, you're not doing that." No, because it, it, it'll it'll alter your palate. Yeah. To which I then said, "Oh God, I didn't even think of that." Okay, I'm sorry. And I, I quickly got rid of it. It's and by, only... what I mean by that is, I quickly downed, it, downed it because it. I wasn't throwing it away. <laughs> yeah. But the other, but I mean, to the point where they didn't even want, and I and I at the time thought it was kind of weird, but now I get it. Where you weren't even allowed to talk to other people sure. until your until your judging sheet was. Was turned in or make noises while you eat, like you can't go. Mm, yeah, you it can't was complete silence, yep. which for me yep. is very, very difficult. People so. took it very seriously, which is good because you know there's huge prize money, and you know if yeah. you're spending 14 weekends or whatever it turns out to be for a, a gal like Jen, and that you're passionate about this, you truly want to be measured on what skilled people know is great. So Jen, that I'm glad Mike reminded me of that. It, it, are a lot of these events are they open to the public? Um. I mean, COVID made it a little bit weird, sure. but for the most part, yes. Okay. Uh, we try to get people to come out quite a bit, um, just to, whether it's just to hang out. Because it, it does end up being a long day. I mean, you get there at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, and you don't land until 6, 7 o'clock at night. So it's the public can definitely come out, check it out, see what's, what it's all about. Because we're definitely, I know the Minnesota Barbecue Society is trying to grow. And to um, make your dreams come true, I know that they are looking to train more judges. <laughs> Finally, so I'll have a designation more. that matters right. behind my name. So, uh, <laughs> Jen, real quick, um, you know, you make barbecue. You're a, a professional amateur, we're going to call you. Um, sure. if, if I wanted to just go buy good barbecue in the Twin Cities at a restaurant, do you have a restaurant where you say, you know, Mike, these guys are really always great. Do you, do you have somebody you go to or are you just, do you make so much barbecue you don't even do that anymore? 
I don't eat barbecue anymore. You don't um, eat good barbecue. It's just not at a restaurant compared to what you guys are making. Yeah, that. And since we're cooking so much all year, it's even hard to. If I'm at a restaurant, I'm not sure. going to sit down and be like, mm, I really want to rock a wrist. <laughs> so that's not really what I go for. Um, I mean, we live down in the south suburbs, so if we were going to go anywhere, we would probably go with, like, the Rock Shack in Egan. It's probably the closest thing that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's some really great places out in, like, Minneapolis. Um, I think I know that here. Rack Shack, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's a fun place, right? Yeah, they got the hobo. That's pretty Okay, I'm done. Pretty I'm good where they pile I'm... everything on top of it. Is the uh is the list of various events for these, you know, pretty cool barbecue competitions, is that available? Uh, whether it's on your particular website for your uh, company or or is it something that's available on, on another platform? Um, so it, it depends. Uh the Minnesota Barbecue Society, they list quite a bit of them cool. themselves. But there are some like offshoot ones that don't make it on the website, so like some smaller ones. Um, like, for example, we're going to one this weekend that we're competing at that's not on the website. It's just a smaller one that we're doing in my husband's hometown. Um, so if anyone is out in St. Francis a, and wants to. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> husband's hometown. It's a smaller one. If you don't totally take this thing, yeah, you should tell your <laughs> husband he sleeps out in the garage that night. Right. Well, cool. I will get I will yeah. get this uh, GoFundMe page posted to the various sites. Thanks for making time. Thanks for uh, alerting yeah, me to this because of whatever I can do with my tiny platform, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to help out a guy that seems like he's right up my alley. So thanks for making time for us, Jen. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. You got it. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, I, I, that's the one thing that really stuck out to me when we did that competition was it seemed like the beer community. Everybody knew each other. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it was, oh, I want to try his chicken, mm-hmm. which was just, it was cool. I, I like seeing that, where it's not, uh, granted, they're, they all want to win. Sure. I get that. Because there was big prize money at, at Bartley's. Yeah. I keep saying this, but there truly was big prize money. Not everybody, they kind of do it for pride, sure. but this one was pride and cash. Yeah. You kind of want both. So uh, a, a sad story that hopefully uh, will turn out okay, because like I said, he just seems like a beloved member of the barbecue community. So Godspeed to him. Uh, I do have another story that I wanted to touch on, but I'm about to sneeze, so bear with me. It's going to be so good. Oh, you you covered it up and Excuse you did me. the whole bit? All right. Um, are you familiar with billionaire investor Mark Laurie? Yes. He is uh, on the verge, along with Alex Rodriguez, of buying the Minnesota Timberwolves. 100%. So he is... Uh, uh, he He's made a lot of money, let's mm-hmm. just say, mm-hmm. through various ventures sure. over the years. He is partnering with a gentleman by the name of, and I'm going to completely butcher his name, but I so I apologize. Barke Ingalls mm-hmm. and Mark Laurie are partnering together. You know anything about this story? Is this the town they want yes. to build a town? Yes. They are going to. They have made designs to build a city by the name of Tolosa. Okay, project from billionaire investor Mark Laurie. Uh, their ambitious plan would see an entire city built from scratch in the desert of the western United States. Within 40 years, the duo intend to establish fully contained city, which will be extended over 150,000 acres and have a population around 5 million. You're thinking, oh, this is great. That sounds cool. Our vision is to create a new city in America that sets a global standard for urban living, expands human potential, and becomes a blueprint for future generations. 
The blueprint designs are, depending on your taste, either dazzlingly utopian or unsettlingly dystopian. <laughs> There's plenty of innovative architecture and display alongside futuristic visions of public transport and spaces filled with greenery and nature. They should have named it Utopus. Maybe they should Like should've. the beer from Sam Adams. But when you see it, because it's all, it, it looks like Vegas. It looks like Vegas. That's well, that's, ca- that's all they're doing is building an entire another Vegas, correct? Uh, and there's a part of it that isn't included on here. They, they just need a little sum of money to get this all started in the neighborhood of about $9 billion or whatever it was. You know, the government's given out a lot of cash. This sounds Why like not? a good cause. I don't think you can build a city for $9 billion. Here's, right? what, here's what I'm thinking, though. And granted, the chances of this actually happening are mm-hmm. probably very slim. Someone said the exact same thing about Vegas, though, too. True. Right. Yes. That. that no. Okay. I, I. I see your point. That. That. That is true. But again, I think the chances are pretty slim. Pretty don't you? slim. Well, I don't know. I, you know, in, in some weird way, some of these billionaires are doing things that are bigger than their dollars. Right. You mean like Bezos trying to fly to the moon? Yeah. I mean, just they're doing things that are just different. Right. And maybe guys like this have the vision and they can get get it together. I'd go visit the town. I think that would be cool. You know, I'm old enough that I remember going to Las Vegas where my parents would let me go swim in the pool because they were in the second level of the motel, the castaways that looked down at the pool and it was totally safe and totally comfortable and you'd bring kids to Vegas, right? Wow. And there was no big buildings. That's and that's not that many years ago, you know, that okay. was 40 years ago or whatever. And it's skyrocketed. I mean, it's it's a totally different town. I don't know how many how many thousands, hundreds of thousands or maybe a million people live in Vegas that are are real uh, the actual population of Vegas, but they could do it. And I've I've been to Vegas twice. Once I drove through it. Sure, that doesn't really count. When I yeah. bought that vehicle. Yes, yeah. And the second time, I picked up my wife and kids from the airport on on our spring break trip. Okay. And I literally picked them up, and then we drove to Phoenix. Sure. You know, so it wasn't like we you even just wanted stayed the there. cheap flight to Vegas to get them out there. Well, did I tell you that story? Hey, you may have. It's gonna be good though. Tell me again. So, uh, we had booked flights around Christmas when people oh, were still a little yeah. scared to fly okay. and it was super cheap. And I thought, look at this, because we didn't really yeah. know what we were going to do for spring break, if we were going to do this anything at all. Christmas of 20. Christmas of 20, right oh, around really? Christmas okay. of 2020. Okay. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know the story. And so I bought four flights mm-hmm. for the four of us for a hundred bucks a piece okay. to LA. And no I thought, brainer, well, this, no. is, this is awesome. Well, then that changed to well, it's no longer a straight flight. You have to fly to Vegas and then we're going to Send you out, and then you got to spend the night, and then we'll fly. To, and I thought, well, uh, that's kind of a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. And then around that time, everything started to go up. Okay, to the point where to rent a car for the week, it was going to cost me somewhere in the neighborhood of about fifteen hundred bucks. Oh wow! And I thought, oh. okay, this trip, this it's cheap just, it just trip, got just dumb. got really yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I decided I'm just going to drive out there and pick them up at Vegas. Not even take the connecting flight. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's what I did. Oh, that was a sneaky way to do it. Well, because it wasn't. I love you. That love driving. Drive. You I love loved, driving. I love. Okay. I, if I could, I would never get on an airplane again. Ah, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. You and John Madden. So, uh, and it's not because I'm fearful of sure. flying. I just hate every aspect of it. Oh, wow. I I I don't. You know what aspect I like is you jump into a magic tube. And three hours later, you're in Fort Myers, Florida, and you're like, "How did that magic tube do that?" Yeah, that, I, that that the convenience part of it is nice, but I just I don't like really being enclosed around other people. I just can't wait till I'm on my next flight, and there's a three year old child that won't wear its mask, and the flight attendant says, "We're gonna land this plane in Topeka because you can't put," and I'm gonna lose my mind. Like, 
Get us to where we're going. Do not stop for a three-year-old not wearing a mask because three-year-olds don't wear masks. The troubling, the most troubling video, and I can relate, was last week. I th- I don't want to name the airline because I, I I can't remember exactly which airline it was. A poor mother had a two-year-old child that had asthma who was having a freaking asthma attack on the plane, and she was taken off the plane because she refused to put the mask on the child, to which I said... Have we truly lost our ability to cope? Have we truly lost our ability to understand a given situation? This isn't some dude bro like they had the one that they had to duct tape to the chair because he was being an ass. Just, this I, is I, a two-year-old child that's having an asthma attack. Watching the video of that, too, because they had video. And oh. the poor mom sitting there just trying not to lose her mind. Like, oh, please, God, just let well, me. Because, A, she's concerned about her two-year-old having an asthma sure. attack. You know, that's not really, as a guy that's had asthma my whole life, I can tell you the first time I had an attack when I was probably, no, I had to have been a little bit older than that because I remember remember, it was terrifying. Sure, I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't breathe. That that has to be scary. And then you surely don't want, oh, mom, why are you continually putting a cloth over my face as I can't breathe? And if I recall seeing the video, the baby is crying and the mom's just sitting there like, what is going on? They have to figure that out. I wanted to, I I don't know if I've said this on the show already, but you know, we've done what, 416 shows. We're going to start, we're going to start naming, numbering these shows off. Was, Don't so worry, think, Ricey's repeated his stories 500 times, well, good, so it doesn't good. matter. But they're giving out huge fines now when people lose their minds on planes. Good. And it is, well... Kind of, but I don't want to get a poor gal fined if she can't put a mask on a two-year-old who's having a meltdown. It's no, like, you know. but what it will at least do is send the message because you know you'll see a lot of these videos. We know a guy that works at the airport who's mm-hmm. got a lot of stories yes. that he refuses to tell oh, on the show. He? Okay, but I don't know what it is because it, this seems like a recent phenomenon about people losing their minds when they're traveling. Sure, and I don't know if it's if it just kind of goes along with the same line of thinking of we've just become that much of an entitled society, which I think is a big part of it. Um, I also think that there's just a... No, I don't want to go down that road. I think you should also have to wear clothes on a plane. Not pajamas. Okay. Not slippers. That's fair. Or Do you ever see that? You yes. see someone get on the plane and it's like, huh, or, you know, this is a 40-minute flight. You could just throw on a pair of jeans and tennis shoes. You don't necessarily need to be in your pajamas at one in the afternoon. Yep. You didn't have to get up at three o'clock. I, I kind of laugh that when you look at the flights from 1970, everyone's wearing a sport coat, and in or maybe 60, everyone's wearing a sport coat. 19 in 2021, it's halter tops and spandex shorts, which I'm kind of fine with. The um, the worst though in that uh, I I was flying. I think I was flying to Atlanta a few years ago. And it was one of those where I had worked all night and I was hopping on an early morning flight. Mm -hmm. So I was a little tired and I was just looking forward to three hours and I'm going to sleep. It's going to be great. Um, uh, Anyway, so we get on. Okay, everybody get buckled in. We're about to take off. And it was not a full flight. The person behind me, uh, behind me, one seat to my right. Okay. The seat next to me was empty, which that's, isn't that the sure, greatest? it's just perfect. Oh, this is going to be so great. Kind of set my bag there. We're all good. She took off her shoes, Ugh. barefoot. Just pushed them through. And then put them through the, and I thought, no. 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 And I stood up and I went, you're not doing this. Yeah, take your feet away And she from said, here. well, no one's sitting there. I said, I'm sitting right here. Yeah. I'm not smelling your feet this yeah. whole flight. Yeah, yeah, princess. And Get then your it feet was. Then I was called names, which is fine. I said, oh. "Listen, I'm trying to be rational here, but you're not. You're not doing this." Yeah. Period. And I just thought, 
How does that not enter your brain? Like, oh, this might be a bit, a bit disgusting for the person. Sitting. But no, it's <laughs> all about me and whether I'm comfortable that person is thinking. I anyway. do think everyone's lost their mind, including me. I think I, I lose my <laughs> mind plenty now. And, and those common courtesies are just are gone. out the window. You know, the, the thought of leaning back in your chair on, on a plane used to be kind of, oh, I'd kind of look back and see, and if it was a bigger guy, I wouldn't do it. And now it's like, sorry, dude, if I could go all the way back, all the way back, I would. <laughs> Even if it meant you had a real hard time. Well, that's not true. I still kind of care. I'm a caring person, but my mind says, just do it, Mike, but then I never do. Um, I was checking on an update of a story that actually the mayor, Joe Sushi, and I were monitoring before you got here today and just seeing if there's any uh, an update. The Superdome, where mm-hmm. the New Orleans Saints play, yep. started on fire Ooh. today. I the thought sa- that was a big brick building. How does that start on fire? Well, apparently uh, the part of the roof um, started on fire because they were doing some type of renovation because it was transitioning. You know, they had that big Mercedes-Benz logo sure, on yep. the outside. Isn't, that, isn't it Mercedes-Benz Field? Is no, they ch- so that was part of it. They oh, were changing it, it to, okay. I think it was called Caesars Field, going along oh, with the gambling. a little bit of gambling, okay. Um, and so they were changing some of the, they were remodeling some part of the uh, of the roof, and apparently that, uh, that caught on fire. Which, keep in mind, remember the very first game of the year, when they played the Packers, mm-hmm. they had to play it in Jacksonville because of the flooding that they had. Oh, wow. And I thought, I've never been to New Orleans I don't think I have any desire to go to New Orleans. It's a it's a tough town to be. I remember walking out of my hotel, dress pants on, dress shirt. Were you there for the Super Bowl or no, something? No, no, just for work, right? Okay. And I walk out, and you walk 15 feet, and you are drenched. And I was like, oh, I understand why people move a little slower in the south, because it is, we think it gets hot here. It's you know, so humid. It's 100 with 100% humidity. You're just, it's like being in a steam room. I mean, it's just shocking. And yet, it's, there's a lot of fun things, a lot of homelessness, right, which is unfortunate and difficult to get around. Sure. And, but it's, it's not the safest feeling. I, I remember I was there once and I was watching a 60 minute episode and I'm, I'm sitting there and I was going to go out to Bourbon Street and they were talking about the corruption in the, the police force <laughs> because the average cop in New Orleans at the time was making $16,000 a year. And I was like, well, that can't be right. Wow. 16000 they have to make more than that. But they said uh, they make all their money on their side gigs. And I was like, well, that's not a a, a, a situation that sh- should have long term ramifications on a city, you know. Well, like, and it, is it also not the only city in the country that's under sea level? Yeah, you're under sea level, so you just everything feels. I mean, they have to bury people above ground, right? Because they can't bury people underground because they just pop right out of the ground because the water would force them back up. And I don't think that'd be a good site. That would not be a good site. No. It's a pretty town, though. There's some pretty spots if you get out, and they do have a couple of really, really classic restaurants that have quarter martinis. No. Yes. So during lunch, you can have a you martini for a quarter. Now, I don't know if they still do it, but this was you know not that many years ago where they did it. I think it was command the Commander's Palace. I think is one of them, <laughs> and just for a quarter. And you know you can't have a dollar's worth of martinis. Because you're gone then, it, it, you, unless you're willing to start at noon and go hard. Because four martinis for a buck is that's, that's a good run. Asking for trouble. Oh yeah. I mean, it, so how are they making their money? I think they just you know you have lunch too, but and how many martinis can you have, right? Well, for a dollar. I yeah. I mean, I know it's a value play, but still, you just can't go that far. No, you really can't. But but you also are applying logic. 
uh, that's in true. this given situation. That's true. You forget that on your second one, then it doesn't matter how far you well, go. I could have one more. Yeah, why not? It's only uh, a quarter. Uh, all right. Well, I end, ended uh, or emptied my spindle, Michael. You got anything else that you want no to touch readers. on today? This is the best show that we've ever had. I'm going to call this number 416. We've been doing the beer show for eight years. We did it about once a week. The math works out to 416. Next time will be... 417. Oh, I got what you're doing. Right? I, okay. think we should do that. I think we should put that in the show notes, too, so people say, oh, these, these guys aren't brand new. They've been doing this for a very long time. All right. That makes sense. Even uh, though we sound brand new. <laughs> I do. You're the radio time professional. Time. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. We, yeah, we will be turning out one of these about every single week with various guests. We'll be working on a lot of fun stuff because, like we always use in the description, this is the show where guys kind of come to unwind, chat about the things that guys talk about, guys and gals, because mm-hmm. we get a lot of female listeners that like to chat about things over a cold one. So that's what we like to do on this show every week. We like to scramble. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Reavers. You're the best. You can also find the show on Podman, Apple, Spotify, Google, and you can, of course, find us at garagelogic.com. Thank you so much for... For Mike Fredoloni, my name is Chris Reavers. We will talk to you again next week. Until then, cheers.